Welcome to the February 9th edition of the PFF forecast. This is the last pre-Super Bowl forecast. And it's going to be a special one. We've got uh, injury analysis coming online with uh, Dr. Stephen Pomerantz, who's worked with the Bengals for 38 years. who's going to drop some knowledge on Hurts and Holmes. And then we have our normal group. We've got Seth Galina, got Judah Fort Gang to drop some SGP knowledge. And we'll close it out with our last locks of the week with Arjun Menon. I, we might have some locks for the draft as well. So, you know, it's not, it's not totally over, but uh, last live football game uh, locks of the week. It's going to be a great show. Let's rock. Super Bowl weekend, and that means that we're taking things up a notch. Uh, and so instead of just uh, Brad and I pontificating about injuries, we thought we'd bring in a, an actual expert here. So uh, Dr. Stephen Pomerantz is the director of imaging uh, at Naples Community Hospital Network in Naples, Florida, also the CEO of ProScan Imaging, and also somewhat relevant, has been working uh, with the Bengals for 38 years and with a bunch of other professional sports teams, uh, and has an incredible wealth of knowledge on uh sports injuries is joining us today so he can speak some truth about two quarterbacks who are dealing uh, with injuries doctor thanks for uh, hanging out with us how are you doing it's a pleasure george uh, i guess i'm a uh, professional medical pontificator if you will <laughs> yeah so yeah, as i understand it you were kind of explaining this to us um you have uh obviously seen a, a lot um of different injuries and so when they are when the Bengals, for example uh, are trying to figure out what exactly is happening. They'll bring you in to sort of say, okay, this is this is exactly what you're seeing. Um, you know, let, let me clarify some things for you. Is that right? Well, I do. I do the reading for them, and uh, so I'm I'm usually the first person in to see the study. Um, I have a couple of other partners that work with me, and occasionally uh, they will be the first ones to see the study. They're a little bit younger than I am. Um, but, uh, I am usually the first person on the ground that gets the exam and they'll send it to me wherever I am. I could be in Italy. I could be in Cincinnati. I could be in Naples, Florida. You've just mentioned three places that are all very similar. So, uh, <laughs> glad we've gotten our, uh, geography lesson here covered. Um, awesome. Let's, uh, let's dive in. We're obviously going to talk about the two quarterbacks because everyone else is basically healthier has been ruled out. Um, let's start with Jalen Hurts and just kind of take us through how you understand the injury and, and what we need to know about what he's dealing with. Sure. So, um, you know, a basic anatomy lesson and please for the uh, audience and the betters, don't turn don't turn this off. But if you feel up along your collarbone, there is a bone, the collarbone, also known as the clavicle. And that goes out to the side and and articulates or connects with your shoulder. And out there is where what's known as an AC joint separation or a shoulder separation occurs. And I'm sure you're all familiar with that. Um, and they have different grades, grade one, grade two, grade three, and they even have more complex grades than that. The higher the grade, the more serious the injury. And, you know, lower grade injuries are pretty functional and uh, they're certainly not life threatening, but they are rather annoying and they can persist uh, throughout a season. They respond very well to being injected. 
uh, with uh, steroids and with anesthetic and, and with other types of medications. Um, and, and so that bone connects with your, your shoulder bone, your scapular bone. Now, if you follow your hand across your shoulder and come back the other way towards the middle of your chest, that bone connects with, or a fancy way of saying it, articulates with the sternum. Now, that is a much rarer problem to have. And it also requires a lot more force because there are some really strong ligaments here that connect that clavicle bone to your, to your sternum. And if you injure that bone, while it's a lot more rare, a lot less common, it can be a very serious injury. It can be a protracted injury. And in fact, I haven't told you this gentlemen, but it can be life-threatening. And hmm. what, how is it life-threatening? Because that gets people's attention. Well, if, if the clavicle goes backwards into your chest, because it can dislocate up, it can dislocate down, it can dislocate forward, which is where it usually goes. But if it goes back, what's hanging out behind there? The major blood vessels of your body that come out of your heart. Yeah. Wow. So if it is one of those puppies, you're in trouble. So I think that was the more complicated one that we definitely need to have in for. Still want to know as much as possible about Patrick Mahomes as well with the high ankle sprain. What did you see there watching that video and, and how is that going to limit him in this game? Sure. So I, I think functionally, you know, Jalen Hurts is going to be less functionally impaired than Patrick Mahomes. And, and the reason mm -hmm. is that you can protect the shoulder. You know, you're still going to have to throw with it. But he's already demonstrated that he can throw. He may have a few more yards off his ball, a few more, a few less MPGs or miles per hour MPHs off his ball. Uh, but he's going to be able to throw, and he's certainly going to be able to run at full speed. He just has to avoid, you know, that that fall or that hit directly to the shoulder. So you can protect it. You cannot protect your leg when you when you're playing in a game like this. And I think we're only what three weeks out from the from the high ankle sprain. And, and let me explain to you what a high ankle sprain is. Um, it's, it's just as it sounds. You know, you've got the ankle, and then immediately above the ankle, there are three ligaments that keep the tibia, which is a big, thick bone, and the fibula, which is a little bone, together. Now, if you tear these ligaments, there's one in the front, one in the middle, and one in the back. If you tear, say, two or three of them, these two bones are going to start to come apart. And if they come apart, I mean, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out that is not good because mm -hmm. when they come apart, you know, the other bones will rise up into that space. And you're also not going to have a lot of functionality. So the goal is to keep them together. One way to keep them together is to tape that leg really, really tight, but not too tight, tight enough so that they don't come apart from that weakness. It's, it's a very hard injury uh, to, to deal with. And I, I think I shared with you in our casual discussion you know, with the injury that he has moving to the left and throwing to the right is going to be a challenge for him and moving to the left period or zigzagging down the field is going to be very challenging for him. Yeah, we were talking about um, uh, that yesterday and I went back and watched all of the, the film from Mahomes in the conference championship where it wasn't just a straight drop back. So he was moving, you know, one way or the other. And I mean, it, it looks painful just watching him try and move to the left. Um, it, you know, he still completed a couple of passes actually pretty remarkably when he did roll out to the left, but was like limping pretty miserably afterwards um, and was facing a team in Cincinnati that doesn't quite have the horses that the Eagles do, you know, from a pass rush perspective. So like if you're game planning, I guess 
doctor, you'd be sending him left as much as possible. Uh, if you can, if you're the Eagles, is that what you'd be doing? Sure. I'm definitely not a football expert. I, I don't pretend to be one. I might play one on TV. <laughs> but, you know, bringing people in to the right and forcing him to roll to the left, you know, would seem like a logical way to deal with him. Now, when I was watching the game, I did notice that even though he did have to move to the to the, to the the right and to the left, when he was throwing, you know, he's such a powerful thrower that he wasn't really using the force of his core and his legs. You know, he was, he was throwing from the upper body, which, you know, not that many people can do, but he can do that. He's a remarkable mm -hmm. guy. Um, and I also noticed that even though he was running and wiggling a little bit, a lot of his running was more straight ahead than I was used to seeing him do. So pivot back, one more question on Jalen Hurts. You said that you think Mahomes will be more limited in this game, dealing with more pain probably, or more, you know, it's going to impact him on a play-to-play -play basis. For Hurts, after our conversation, I went and dug up some Hurts stats. Um, actually had his second least accurate game per our charting um, of the season in, in the last game against uh, the San Francisco 49ers. So do you think there is maybe a loss of touch? Like it's not about pain or him not being able to do it physically, but – maybe engaging the distance he needs to put on the ball or the velocity he needs to throw it. Like, is there a loss of maybe feel for what you're supposed to do there? Yeah, no, I think Brad, that's a great question. And as I, I mentioned when I opened on this injury that I thought he'd have a few, a few less yards on his ball and he would also mm -hmm. have less velocity on his ball. So if you have less velocity and you're used to throwing it one way, that affects everything, your timing, you know, what you've been used to, and, and he's only really played one game, you know, that way, getting used to that new velocity. And it might not even be something that he clearly notices, but it's going to be there. Would there be, so think about the ability, you know, Mahomes being a little more impaired, but as you think about the sustainability throughout the game is, would you say hurts more likely to be re-injured or Mahomes, uh, are you more worried about like actually getting knocked out of this game? I think Mahomes is more likely to get knocked out of the game uh, simply because he just can't protect, you know, that leg and every single play, he's going to be on that leg, on that leg, on that leg. Whereas Hertz, you know, is not necessarily going to be on that shoulder. He's going to be handing it off a bunch. He's going to be throwing shorter passes. Um, you know, now one catastrophic hit, you know, could end Hertz's game. And when I say catastrophic, I mean, if he gets hit just the right way, if someone comes at him and even hits him standing up directly on that throwing shoulder from the outside to the inside, it's going to drive that, that bone that I, that I showed you right here, the clavicle mm -hmm. bone, it's going to drive that into his, the center of his chest, that sternum, and it's going to disrupt or injure those ligaments further. So, you know, it isn't that clear cut, but I would say it's more likely that Patrick Mahomes, because every play he's on the leg is going to be at higher risk. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think that's something that certainly betters are thinking about because the advantage the Eagles have, uh, you know, up front, right. Especially on the outside uh, with the two edge rushers against the two tackles there. Um, this is the first uh, off color joke of the, uh, of the episode, but um Sean Payton, if he were the opposing coach, he'd be uh, spending a lot of time helping the players identify exactly where to hit Jalen Hurts <laughs> in this game. That's for Brad and his Saints. Um, um, I think that you're trying to think about how this game is is impacted. Um, 
bigger impact in your opinion uh the, for the chiefs with mahomes or uh hurts and the eagles well i would say uh for the chiefs with mahomes uh for the reasons okay. that i just mentioned it's the law of averages he's going to be on that leg every single play you know that that gentleman is playing at an incredibly high level and now he's at this level which is still incredibly high but um you know, in my opinion, I'm not a football guy, but the Kansas City Chiefs are outmanned a little bit. Their one equalizer is their amazing quarterback. So when you, you know, you put him down at, at mortal levels, you know, now, now you're you're uh, you're talking about something that does affect the out that the outcome of the game. And I think Hertz is going to be very functional as long as he doesn't take that one weird strategic one hit. Um, they mentioned uh, in the conference championship, the, the Chiefs did, that they did not inject Mahomes uh, before the game. Um, first off, uh, you know, I think that we talked about this a little bit before, but that's something that you agree with. Do you think they, they injected something at halftime? Do you, what do you think they do in this game? Yeah, it would be pure conjecture on my part. And I'm going to take them at their word that they didn't. You know, you mm -hmm. don't often really know the facts. Um but, but the reason not to inject him uh, are twofold. One, when you inject somebody like that, they lose those pain sensors. They lose the ability to recognize when they're re-injuring or further injuring that leg, uh, which could then lead to those two bones doing that. And, and so that's one reason not to inject, um, that you maintain that sensitivity. It's called proprioception. Um, the other reason uh, not to inject is because the injections work better the first time. So if you can get them through the first half and the game is close, now you can inject them at halftime. Um, you know, there's less, less time left in the game for him to, you know, weather the storm of that injury and you're going to get a better effect. The first injection gives you a better effect than, than the second injection. All righty. Um, any questions uh, left on your end, Brad, or do you feel prepared no. to uh... – <laughs> This was extremely helpful. Like George said, you know, I think everyone, ourselves included, we're trying to just do guesswork and be, you know, play operation this week. But we appreciate you coming on and sharing some real knowledge with us. Yeah. Brad, George, it's been a pleasure. Hopefully you got a little uh, scientific lesson that wasn't too boring. And if it was, you'll sleep well tonight. <laughs> well, now I'm just trying not to get hit in the in the wrong way on my uh, on my shoulder. That sounded a little scary. Yeah, um, it, that but, is a scary. Uh, that is absolutely a scary injury. Yeah, it's no good. Dr. We thank you. And we'll have to have you on here again, uh, hopefully a little more frequently next year uh, as we uh, get the kind of betting syndicate together. Uh, the members of the printing press will definitely appreciate um, all of your uh, all of your insights. So thank you so much for joining us. Gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. Have a good night. All right, Seth. Uh, this is the second Seth opening because the first one was so good. It is Super Bowl Seth Galina. It's our favorite uh, version of Seth. We are going to uh, obviously break down this game and as you do every time you come on, you have a pet peeve or a soft spot. So you better come, you better come with it because I've got a lot of Super Bowl pet peeves and um, I may have brought, brought mine along. So um, I hope you're ready to go. Chiefs Eagles, you've had two weeks to break it down. Um, I'm sure that you've got like 45 different angles, but if you had to pick one, you know, one particular matchup or one kind of, uh, of angle in this game, where are you going? First of all, I'm mad that people aren't going to get to hear your joke attempt for the night. They already heard it, though. Don't worry. 
<laughs> All right. Okay, so I, I think, you know, let, let's look at both sides of the ball here. And we'll start with uh, Eagles on offense. It's been the same story for weeks and weeks and months and months. This Eagles offensive line just continues to do stuff to defensive lines that you're not really supposed to do at this level. And they did it again to the 49ers. They've been doing it the whole season to just kind of eliminate the interior defensive linemen of other teams. Team, defensive linemen against the Eagles, and especially, uh, you know, three tags, one tag, zero tag, the interior guys have just been, I mean, just been not good to say the absolute least against them. Uh, there are only, I looked this up, only six players who have recorded a run defense grade above 70.0 this season against the Eagles offensive line. There's just as many who have recorded under a 45.0 grade. And most of these grades are really bad. Oh. I mean, like they held Dexter Lawrence, 62.2 uh, run defense grade. Cam Hayward, 61.7. Eric Armstead last two weeks ago, 57.4. Uh, it just goes, the list goes on and on. So now you're going against who is probably the best interior defensive lineman in the league and maybe potentially defensive player of the year in Chris Jones. But the issue is, even if Chris Jones has a good day, there's another guy next to him who's not going to have a good day. Kalen Saunders, 52.0 run defense grade. Derek Nottie's 39.5 run defense grade. That's just not a recipe for success. And I, and I even think, like, Chris Jones, as good as he is, we've seen the Eagles neutralize these type of players. So this, it, it seems like it's just a really bad matchup. And I don't know, you know, look, there's a million things you can do. You can start running your run stunts, your run blitzes. You can just put more people in the box and hope that helps. Uh, I, I do wonder how Spags is going to try and play that out. But I think this is kind of quite obviously the biggest mismatch is Eagles interior versus the non-Chris Jones defensive lineman. Looking at the flip side, what is the biggest mismatch in the other direction that you're seeing? It's it's hard to not talk about the Chiefs and not mention Patrick Mahomes, the, the magic plays. This is a team that I, I, I think the Eagles have probably have a unit advantage, a matchup advantage in a lot of different areas in this game. But obviously quarterback goes to the Chiefs that's probably not even close. The Eagles are not great this season on plays outside of the pocket. Guess who's really good on plays outside of the pocket? By like by far, and it's every year is the same way. And this year, you know, he's I think he's like eight points. Um, he's graded higher by eight points than Josh Allen, who's number two. So it's like this guy just keeps making plays outside the pocket. Can you tackle him? We say this every week. Can you tackle Patrick Mahomes in the pocket? These are this is a good. Eagles defensive line. You know, it's funny. I went back and I watched the 2021 Eagles defense versus the Chiefs offense. And the Chiefs offense had a very good day against them. Mm -hmm. And you're looking at this Eagles defense and you're like, man, there's not a lot of guys who are still there. First of all, A, they played cover two. They don't play cover two anymore. Uh, and then just like from, from D-line to linebacker to secondary, you know, corner and safe, there's just not a lot of guys who are still there. They've upgraded at every position. So this defensive line in particular has been so much better than last season. And 
they can get to Patrick Mahomes. It's just like, can you get him to the ground, which is the story of Patrick Mahomes' career, and no one's been able to do that consistently. You, you hope you can do it in the biggest game of the year, or else he's going to make plays outside the pocket because that's what he always does. So I think that's the mismatch. And like I said, Eagles, you know, bottom third in the league in in success rate on plays outside the pocket by quarterbacks. So I think that is the mismatch that I think the Eagles um, will have to neutralize. It's so interesting because we were just talking uh, about the ankle injury for Mahomes, right? And so like one of the things that we learned from uh, the injury analysis was when he goes left, like it's going to be very painful. It's going to be very hard for him to, to move left. And you watch the game against uh, Cincinnati and you can see it. Like the dude, like it's painful to watch him run left. At the same time, when he does go left, he, he like completes two crazy throws. So, you know, you sit there and you go, well, he should be limited. He should be limited outside the pocket. But even two weeks ago, he was making plays against a solid defense. It's not like the Bengals are some joke of a defense, right? So it's interesting how to think about playing that. I'm actually curious on the other side of things, though, because everything would tell me, make Jalen Hurts beat you in this game. Now, that's real. That's like easy to hear. You're going to hear that on like the Fox broadcast, right? But like it how would you actually do that? Do you think the chiefs have the, the kind of the manpower to make that happen? You know, the, the problem, and this is why the Eagles are in the super bowl with a quarterback like Justin, uh, Justin, like uh, Jalen hurts. Look, I, I, I know people, people usually you can go on Twitter, and find crazy stuff about Jalen hurts being better than Patrick Mahomes. That is just not true. He's not, he's not that level. They've just, this team is so good from top to bottom on this starting lineup, you know, all like 22 players. This is such, this is the best roster in the league and he's benefited from that. So how, so you look in this in this situation where you say, well, well, well let's make Jalen Hurts beat us. So we're going to load the box. We're going to stop the run as best as we can. And we're, and we're going to play one-on-one on the outside. And then it's like, well, okay, but they went and drafted Devonta Smith, who's incredible. And they went and traded for AJ Brown, who's incredible. And that's been their game this year is these deep ball throws, especially to the outside. Now, 49ers, I, I don't know if they necessarily did a good job or, you know, once you start throwing go balls on the outside, sometimes some games you just don't have it. We saw it two weeks ago. Um, Charverius Ward made some good plays. Lenore made some good plays, something we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Can they? Can the Chiefs corners do that same thing? That's how you make Jalen Hurts beat you is you make them throw like – 50 50 balls outside you know and again we call them 50 50 balls they're not i mean these are not high high percentage completion throws it's better when you have aj brown and devonta smith but they're still on high percentage throws so can you make um him uncomfortable in that way i think obviously because of what he is like in the pocket i think i don't think he's there yet still still a young quarterback so i think he he has a a ways to go to improve his pocket presence. He still likes to bail from clean pockets. Mm -hmm. He looks smooth doing it, but he does bail from clean pockets. So, you know, if you change the coverage late, if you show something uh, pre-snap that you don't play post-snap, I think that can do a good job to holding, you know, keeping the ball in his hand for as long as possible and making him, you know, leave the pocket before he's comfortable. Now, again, it's like, one of the reasons they're in the playoffs because he does have the ability to move around and create plays, um, you know, with his legs. So there's always that balance. And this is, again, I go, go back to the same thing. They are stacked top to bottom. It is tough to just take away one thing 
you make them left-handed, well, they're really good on their left hand. So it's it's going to be a tough matchup, I think, for the Chiefs defense. That that's a that's like a mid-table defense this year, right? Like this is not a it's it's not a bad defense, but it's certainly not a great defense. So like it's just it's going to be tough. Real quick, tied into that, if you're Spags, are you bringing heat? Like, are you blitzing a lot, or is that also a risk because of his athletic ability? Yeah, I mean, I, I looking up some stats against the blitz hurts. You know, his PFF grade is is just okay, but the yards per attempt is really good. And again, this goes back to like, hey, this the Eagles, they they figure out ways. They'll screen you, you know, bubble screen, running back screen. They'll hit the one on ones outside before the blitz gets there. So. I'm not quite sure. I know a lot of people are talking about, hey, Spags should bring the blitz. Now, he will bring the blitz because it's Steve Spagnuolo and he's going to do that. But I don't. I just don't know if that is the actual answer um, to um, to getting to Hurts. I think they do a good job. Sirianni does a good job of, of you know, they're, they're throwing the ball to the outside. So it's like a lot of just one read, get rid of the football, one read, get rid of the football. So we'll see. The a uh, couple other interesting um, matchups that I wanted to to throw your way and get your read on. So you think about the uh, the Kansas City defense. You just mentioned they're kind of like a mid you know middle of the table team uh, defensively, but they have some good players at corner. Snead is going to play in this game. McDuffie has been solid. Is there a particular area, you know, obviously the, the defensive line and the run game, but in the passing game, how do you think they will attack? Um, what makes the most kind of sense for how to attack the Chiefs uh, with the passing game? Yeah, I wonder if they're going to play more zone or more man. I think if they're going to play more man, I think you'll see a lot of stuff around the line of scrimmage, underneath the line of scrimmage, using that RPO game that they that they do really well mm-hmm. and get those sneak those we call them slide routes or slice routes underneath the offensive line and just dump them out into the flat while the man coverage defender is chasing. I think against zone, you're going to see a lot of, you know, I mean, not saying anything crazy here, but you're going to see a lot of Dallas Goddard in that, you know, those out routes at 10 to 12 yards. And then you're going to get your, your Devonta Smith comebacks on the outside. If you're going to play more zone, you know, you you get into a situation where the cornerback is playing with eyes on the quarterback. Devonta Smith really good at making you lose him on an outside release, and then he gets into your blind spot and he's down on the comeback route. So I think those are the two type of situations you'll see more of if it's zone and like I said, if it's man. And again, this makes them really difficult to defend because they have a really really diverse, I would say. Um, zone read RPO game uh, package that they that they rely on, and that's killed man coverage this year. And and a mobile quarterback too, right? You talk about man coverage, and you know what that allows the quarterback to do if there's no one open. Um, Brad, any other uh, burning questions from you, or is it time to put some money down? Let's, let's put some money where um, our collective mouths are. All right, Seth, uh, you've been you've been. Uh, Money thus far this year. Where are you um, investing in this I'm game? Going hurts under 237 and a half. I mean, I've seen it different places. I think you can get it up to 239 and a half passing yards, but uh, I got it at under 237 and a half passing yards. He's been under the last seven of nine games. I don't necessarily think that means they're going to lose or anything. I think they're going to be able to run the football. I think 
if you don't hit these these two or three big plays on the outside to Smith or or AJ Brown, like we saw a couple of weeks ago, you're going to get an 155 yard passing day from from Jalen Hurts. Now, again, they might score 35 points, but like you might get um, you know somewhere in the hundreds. So I think under 237 is is the way to go here. Yep. Like so it. you mentioned, Brad, what do you think Seth, yeah, yeah. Well, you mentioned how uh, Hurts gotten better throwing outside the numbers, uh, particularly would would be helpful against the blitz. Last week, we had him charted nine throws outside the numbers, zero were charted as accurate. First time in his entire career, he hasn't had at least one throw outside the numbers charted as accurate. So, you know, I, I think whether it's injury, the Niners, whatever the case may be, but so I, I do like that one a lot. Um, I'm going. To back to the well, I mentioned it before, uh, but Patrick Mahomes over 25 and a half completions. Um, the more I look at this, the more the injury reports come out for the Chiefs. I like it more and more. Juju Smith Schuster, a full participant, Kadarius Tony limited, but it sounds like he's, you know, pretty much fine. Um, I just think this is going to be a, you know, feast underneath, quick outs. Don't let him get, you know, Hassan Reddick on, on his tail. Um, I, li- I like the over completions for Patrick Mahomes a lot. By the way, on uh, Fandle, you can get 238.5 on uh, on Hertz. like that one a lot. I also like under 21.5 uh, completions. They, I mean, they're the favorite in this game. He has gone under each of the last three games, and it you know it hasn't been particularly close in a couple of them. Now, they've been winning those games rather handily, but um, I, I really, the passing game, if you watch the conference championship, does not give you a lot of confidence there. So, um might be a little uh might be a little scary. Uh, ten and a half rushing attempts for for Jalen Hurts, I think is interesting because I mean there's nothing like there's nothing left here, right? You've got to you've got to use Jalen Hurts in this game. And with that advantage up front, it wouldn't surprise me to see them kind of dispel some of the, oh, Jalen Hurts, you know, we're trying to protect him, all this stuff and and give him uh, give him some run there. Um the the one that I really like based on kind of what you were talking about. Uh, Seth, are some of these rushing props, and and I think this is interesting. Miles Sanders uh, is over here at sixty one and a half, and yet you've got a guy like Kenneth Gainwell uh, at nineteen and a half. Gainwell's last three games: forty eight, one hundred twelve, thirty five rushing yards. Um, I think everyone's fallen in love with Miles Sanders because he scored a couple of touchdowns. But I like Ken- Kenneth Gainwell in this game. I think they're going to run the crap out of the ball. Um, so that's the one that I'm going to go with just kind of based on, on your analysis, Seth. Um, all right. It's pet peeve time. All right. So it's not, I mean, like, look, the, the obvious Super Bowl pet peeve is long halftime shows. And oh, for, stop. and look, for most of us, I, I know, look, this is a PFF forecast. You can't tell me anyone listened to this. I, I hope I'm not mis- miscategorizing anyone, but I, I there's no way anyone listening to this cares about the halftime show. Care about football. It's Rihanna? <laughs> it's Rihanna, bro. <laughs> um what is so wrong with you? That is the that is the obvious pet peeve. It's gonna go like 25 minutes. I'm gonna lose interest in the game, and then that's it. And then it's the end of the and then that's it. My actual pet peeve is a is a personal issue that I'm having right now. I was out of town last week. I get back to Montreal. The YMCA that I can see right outside my window. I go back to work out. They've reconfigured the gym. Ooh. It's ruining me. It's ruining me. Like just not knowing where machines are and stuff. I, I got no mats. I got no. I got yeah. no room for activities. I, <laughs> I don't know what to do anymore. I'm. I'm screwed. Wow. 
they just got bored. They were like, they were like, we're just gonna, we got nothing to do, guys. We're just gonna go. Uh, we're gonna go rearrange. That's a good pet peeve. Yeah, that's First a one, really trash. good. Pet peeve. That one I can support you on. <laughs> well, why I mean, would you just, want? It, what if the like? Okay, we go into halftime. It's it's twenty one to twenty. We're we're scoring mm-hmm. points here. We're moving the football. You're mm-hmm. you're having a couple of brewskis. You're ha- you're you're having a good time, and then halftime, and then it's like you forget what happened in the first half. You're not all. You're you're not far off. If it's a performer, I don't care about that. I'm sitting there. You know, I'm the same way. But also, you got to get up, stretch the legs. You know, get the get the juices flowing a bit. And then the last thing I'll say, uh, the group chat with with the wise literally said, "Hey, who's bringing what food for the Rihanna concert on yes. on on Sunday?" So like it's. You know, it's a good old, good old fashioned family fun. You can you. also bet on it, Seth. So <laughs> if you couldn't bet on it, I understand. But you know what I've been doing today? Okay. I've been listening to Rihanna all day. I have Ella, Ella, Ella stuck in my head because I keep listening to these freaking songs. They put out a trailer, Apple Music did, mm-hmm. for the the show. And they play Run This Town is the song on the trailer okay i immediately threw that in the discord i was because i was talking about it's like that's the that's the intro that just makes sense to me now i don't know that jay-z is going to come out and, and sing that part um because he's obviously on that but seth this is the kind of thing that having it's just a game within a game right? it's another opportunity to bet on the super bowl we work for people that you're pro football <laughs> focus okay we're football guys that's it that's all we are I hope the commenters are on your side. They probably will be. Uh, <laughs> they will be. Yeah. They absolutely yeah. will be. They, yeah. they're like, oh, finally, someone stops. I'm so sick and tired of hearing about Rihanna. Thank <laughs> yeah, God Seth is here to talk some sense into these losers. Yeah. My, I, I will say, here, here's my uh, pet peeve uh, on the Super Bowl. Um, it's the, when you go, like, Super Bowl parties are fun, but the challenge is that if you actually want to watch the Super Bowl, like it's very hard to find the right medium, right? You like, you want to eat good food. You want to be around people, but then it's also just like impossible. If you do that, it's impossible to watch the game. So my pet peeve is that it's very hard to find like the ideal Super Bowl environment because you have, you know, 50 people that show up to watch it for the, you know, the first football game of the year. This sounds like a weirdo move, but I got to throw it in there because I've, I've utilized it and, and it's very effective sit behind everyone else not like in a creepy way but like mm. if, the, if the seating arrangement is set up to where there's some like no there's rows of seating right sit in the back so no one can make eye contact with you and you just like but if you're in the front they're going to turn like if you're on the couch next to them they're going to turn to you like hey what do you think about yada mm. yada oh they had a kid let me show you a picture of the kid you're like i could care less about this kid if you're behind them again in a, in a non-creepy way it sounds creepy now that i said that twice then you just you know you, you just you just focus on the tv so that's a little tip for you there I, you need to see a therapist, buddy. Like that's <laughs> what I got out of that. <laughs> that's just scheming one on one, right there, baby. That's incredible. My other pet peeve is the person at the party who the first commercial, everyone like starts talking and goes to get food, and they go, hey, "Shut up! It's the commercials." Like that person is even worse than the than the halftime show people like us. They haven't been yeah. funny in years. Unless it's like Doritos, it's not funny. Yeah, it, it really isn't. You know who is funny? Seth. Seth, we appreciate you. This is always a blast. We get to talk about the draft next week, by the way. <laughs> oh, yeah. Have fun with that. <laughs>
<laughs> We're, you're coming on to, to break down the draft. I don't We're know. Gonna, the, I'm going to watch you one player a week. Yeah. And and we're going to talk about that, that one player for 30 minutes. You didn't get the email about the D3 sleepers? You're talking I am about? the D3 sleeper. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't like to bet on Rihanna. Doesn't like to bet on the draft. What is wrong with this guy? Seth Lena at PFF right. Seth. We appreciate you. Enjoy the Super Bowl, buddy. Hey There's one game left, and that means we have one last shot at glory. And for that, we bring in Judah Fort game. Because the best... Look, all these people that are out here are like, which side of this game are you going to take? That is so tired. If you're sitting here trying to figure out whether you're going to take minus two and a half, minus one and a half, plus one and a half, plus two and a half, just just stop, okay? Listen to this segment and uh, you'll be cured. Judah at Throw the Damn Ball on Twitter writes some great content on pff.com, the PFF app, and attacks things from a different angle. Looks at all lines, uh, puts together correlated same game parlays that follow a unique thesis and gives you a chance to uh, get a little more skin in the game. So uh, Judah, one game left. So we've got to have a lot of different angles from which to attack. Where do you want to start here? Yeah, it was almost the perfect intro because uh, I want to ask anyone who's betting the Chiefs, are they going to win in Patrick Mahomes? It's not going to come close to his passing prop, but I think those go hand in hand. Uh, and that's kind of the, the first angle I'm looking at, which is amongst all of the kind of uncertainty of injuries and whatnot uh, in the NFL, things are simple in terms of the quarterback and the passing games are the most important thing. Uh, and the Chiefs clearly okay. have the advantage there. And I want to lean into kind of the relative certainty of Patrick Mahomes. So the bet here uh, is Patrick Mahomes. I'm going to push it to 300 passing yards. You can get Chiefs minus two and a half. That I found at plus 360. Uh, also minus five and a half would be plus 500. Uh, and basically, the thesis is like, there's been so much talk the past two weeks about, you know, how good is each team from two to 53 at non-quarterbacks? Let's focus on kind of the simple things that we know to be tried and true, which is that passing games really matter in the NFL. Uh, and Patrick Mahomes is uh, kind of matchup independent. Uh, I don't really care about the uh, Eagles defense being, you know, great. It's not going to slow down Patrick Mahomes, uh, right? His, his EPA against the top 10 defenses is the exact same as it is against the rest of the league. We know what we're going to get with him. And if the Chiefs are going to win, it's going to flow through Mahomes. And I kind of want to use that as my base uh, to kind of use uh, for future bets, uh, you know, on the rest of the game. What are, are you thinking? Any... Oh, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead, Brad. Are there any players uh, on the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes? You know, obviously Kelsey's Kelsey, but that you also think if they're going to win this game under that thesis, you think maybe they have to step up in this game and fit into an SGP? No, that's kind of why I actually I prefer the Eagles SGPs. We'll talk about that, but I will say that passing yards right now do not add up to the Chiefs receivers. And I think because like books want to have props open now, there's like 50 unaccounted for yards, which means someone's mm -hmm. going to go flying over, mm -hmm. right? I don't know. Like, I have no idea if Kadarius Tony's healthy at all. My instinct to that question is MVS, only because like he's the guy who's actually going to play, uh, and I assume he'll he'll get some deep shots there. And it's always attractive when you have a guy. Uh, or just like the alt prices, like plus 800 for 80 yards, and like that can happen in two catches. Um, mm. But there's no like, and, and obviously Kelsey is, you know, a threat every time, but the, the books are already accounting for that. Um, there's no one like particularly in the angle of like, oh, I think it's going to be this receiver, but there's definitely room uh, because the pricing is so off. One that I, um, and now this will probably be well priced by the books, but we talked about this a little bit, uh, uh, Judah, with, um, with Seth and actually upcoming uh, in the episode with Arjun, but 
I am fading Jared McKinnon getting carries in this game. Like it's, you know, the plague. And like, I just can't see any, any way where, where he's getting six carries in this game, particularly if Mahomes, you know, throwing the ball is efficient. So that may be one place that I would look, you know, not trying to sort of account for the yards, but sort of to say, okay, well, he is going to throw for a bunch of yards. And if he does, are there any things kind of around it uh, that will also happen? What do you think about that? And are there any other like just kind of correlated things that are not receivers catching passes? Yeah, I love that, actually. That's kind of one of the parlays uh, I'll draw up and I'll okay. light up okay. uh, on site, which is like taking a Mahomes passing over a chief spread and basically like taking the under on rushing guards, whether it's Pacheco, McKinnon, or even like Edwards Alaire is supposed to come back. Like we have no idea how much work he'll get. Um, but uh, taking kind of the under, we the Chiefs have done this before. They did it in the uh, divisional rounds. Like they're not afraid to just continue to throw the ball. Uh, folks are going to price in, uh, you know, rushing yards and spreads as we've talked about so often. Uh, and I don't think that's true for the Chiefs. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, so that takes care. So what you were saying there is kind of this core piece where it's a Chiefs win. Um, and usually you're taking an alt spread. Are you thinking minus five and a half and then over 300 for Mahomes? What's your uh, kind of preferred way to? Yeah, I think I'm going to take both two and a half and five and a half again, because I can see this going so many ways. And the Chiefs also have a tendency to keep these games way too close. Uh, you know, between uh, three and seven. I also, I don't think it's such a huge jump uh, in pricing from 360 to 500. And I think kind of keeping it under a field goal uh, limits a, a bit of the variance there. Um, but I think both work uh, kind of under the same thesis. Okay, cool. All right. So now let's get into, um, what, what do you want to do? Do you want to do a live angle or do you want to do, do you want to save SGPs for the end? Sure, whatever, whatever works. Okay, okay. Uh, let's talk live a little bit. And I'm curious here, you know, there's only one game, right? Um, obviously, we talked about betting like the spread and the total right now. It's kind of like, why would you even be doing that? I'm excited for the live betting opportunities. Um, maybe my favorite betting moment ever is live betting the Patriots in 28 to 3. So like, maybe that's just me. But I think this is a uniquely wonderful game to bet live because when people are, you know, losing themselves about the commercials, you can be making money. Um, and, and that's a beautiful thing. So what, how are you approaching this from a live betting perspective? Yeah. So there, there are a couple of things. Number one, I think the injuries do make a big difference, which is I want to see, uh, and I just kind of blends into the first angle, which is like the Eagles, I think are going to try basically anything in their, in their uh, playbook to start the game. Uh, I want to see if Jalen hurts his shoulders. healthy. He, he doesn't look right on those deep throws, especially that's kind of what I noticed the past couple of weeks. Um, they're going to try to run the ball. And then the Eagles are very adaptable, depending on kind of what's working in the matchup. Uh, so I'm going to kind of use the first quarter and what's working for them as a base, right? Like hmm. we saw in the Niners game, uh, they were attempting to throw deep to start. They missed on a couple throws and they're like, fine, we're going to completely abandon the pass and just run. Hmm. Uh, so I'm looking to kind of bet how the Eagles come out uh, in the first, you know, three or four drives is kind of going to set the tone for how they'll attack later on. And I want to see if they're shot. I don't think they'll be able to keep up with the Chiefs if they kind of have the same game plan they did against the Niners of just continuing to run the ball. Uh, and then kind of the second angle here is uh, a lot of talk about opponents and like the Eagle strength. Uh, what I think that really manifests is that like we actually have a very small sample size of Jalen Hurts coming back in games, right? Like he just hasn't really faced good teams when down. The teams he faced when down are like uh, the, the commanders and the Colts barely squeaked by for the Colts, which is to say that 
with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, they're going to be in any game. If they're down, you know, 17 nothing, we're live betting the Chiefs. We're not counting them out. I don't think we can mm-hmm. say the same about the Eagles, which is even the small sample size we do have, they become an average offense when they're, uh, you know, down in games, when they have a win probability of, of 35% or less. They're at their best kind of in all other situations where they're number one in EPA, which is if the Chiefs go down, uh, early, I'm fine to bet that. I don't think I can say the same about the Eagles, and that's kind of how I'm uh, planning my life bets, let's say, as opposed to reacting to the kind of the injury news. So, quick follow-up on, you've talked about live props before, and you mentioned, you know, Eagles not coming behind. I think I mentioned earlier, but if not, the Eagles have had the most snaps in the NFL this year when leading by over a touchdown by, like, a decent amount, um, and, and the Chiefs are second. Um in a hypothetical scenario where they are, you know, with the lead again, um, you know, for either team, really, just based on game scripts, like, are, are there some live player prop angles that you've already kind of circled as potential moves um, that, you, that you would like to look into, you know, based on how the game plays out? Yeah. I mean, it's more so on the Chiefs side because I don't think the books are going to adjust very well to who's actually playing on the field. And just pay, like, like rap participation is going to matter a lot here. And I think there's kind of like a lot of uncertainty there and the live books do not have a good way of adjusting to that live. We saw that in the wild game with Rashad White and Leonard Fournette. They're just pricing in the same line and Rashad White was playing way more than Leonard Fournette. I just want to see who's on the field for the Chiefs. Like that's a clear angle to bet props. Uh, if you see the MVS is the only one getting all the snaps, bet the overs. Uh, if you see that like Tony's barely getting any share, like bet the under, he's not healthy. Judas Smith Schuster especially. Uh, on the Eagles side, like they're going to pepper... Uh, kind of those three guys with targets. Uh, and again, because that's Goddard, A.J. Brown, and Devonta Smith, to be clear. They don't really throw running backs, uh, which is kind of actually where the, the Chiefs have been pretty vulnerable in the passing attack. Schematically, I think the Eagles are going to attack those three guys. And if Jalen Hurts has to throw a lot, we know where it's going to go. And again, I'd use kind of the early uh, signal of where they're throwing. That's going to be setting the tone for the rest of the game. And I don't think there'll be, really be so many, like, you know, post-game, uh, second-half adjustments. Whatever's working, they're just going to keep rolling with that. Second half adjustments are to uh, do whatever Rihanna tells you to do at halftime. Um, those are the adjustments you make. By the way, it confirmed that Seth hates Rihanna. So God, God be with him on Twitter. Um, okay. Uh, SGP builds here. You talked about, uh, tease this a little bit, you know, kind of thinking the chief's angle, maybe not the right way to compile a thesis that has more legs to it. So take us through it. What's your favorite uh, SGP build? Ooh, and I think the favorite one, I'll give to you. My favorite one, I think, is the Mahomes. I've got it right now at 325. Uh, Chiefs minus 6.5 and, and Pacheco under 34.5. You can get that 45 to 1 on DraftKings. I think that's wow. my favorite one only because it really doesn't need a lot to go right here, which is just like the Chiefs go out to a lead through Mahomes and just stick with it. And like we have no idea uh, who's going to get the run on the Chiefs, and whether even if they do get around, whether they're going to be successful against the pretty stout front uh, that the Eagles have had when Jordan Davis is healthy. Um, you know, because you have to get a little a little crazy, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. I, I like taking a uh, Eagles passing attack just betting on the talent of A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith, which is right now, I think, uh, we've even seen movement from Jalen Hurts' passing prop opening at like 247. Last I checked, it was down to like 238. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of the mean projection. And I think that's probably fine. But same game parlays where we're looking for tails uh, and kind of the lower the passing prop is uh, the more upside you can get on expanding kind of those Hertz passing props. And again, mm-hmm. as we talked about, even in the conference championship, AJ Brown and Devonta Smith hit together. If you get them at like 
you know, 100 yards each. Uh, and I like here Jalen Hurts rushing over, which is not correlated with the Bucks as much as this under. But I think it points mm-hmm. to the game script that needs to happen here, which is that the Eagles completely abandon the run. And they're just going to drop back a ton, which means more opportunities for Jalen Hurts to scramble. Uh, the Chiefs allow the fifth most scrambles in the NFL. And then for them to have success with those two receivers. Uh, and it's basically telling a game script of Eagles advance on the run. They win. We've seen this against the, the Bears. They did this. Uh, again, they're very, you know, matchup opponent. And if it's working, they're going to run with it. Uh, and basically just betting on Hurts dropping back a bunch, throwing to those two guys, getting some rushing yards along the way, and the Eagles to win. And you can get that at like 780 to 1. Uh, you can, a little, little bit of a tease there to, to make sure you find the exact uh, parlay on, on pff.com and the pff. So, that's really interesting because one of the, the big matchup advantages that the Eagles have always had, no matter who they're playing, is their run blocking. They're phenomenal. They're offensive line. And we we're talking about this with Seth. It's like you have two weeks to prepare. You sit there, you watch the film of these guys just mauling people. And one of the things that I brought up is like, if I'm Steve Spagnuolo and I watched the last game, I'm like, look, if Jalen Hurts is going to beat me, Jalen Hurts is going to beat me. But I'm not letting... Jason Kelsey teabagged me up and down the field. Okay. Like that ain't happening. Okay. If Jalen Hurts wants to air it out 50 yards down the field and he's going to connect with AJ Brown, so be it. But I'm not going to get gashed for 15 yards of pop and have my team get mauled. And like that would be, you know, that I think that feels contrarian, you know, that the, the Eagles would win through at the air, but it shouldn't, you know, just because that might be not the way they've won throughout the year shouldn't mean that the Chiefs wouldn't come out and try and force them to do the opposite. So I think it's an interesting angle where you are going to find a difference probably in the way it's priced because of how people's seen the Eagles win versus how the Chiefs are thinking about it, which is, well, no, we're going to make them win that way. So like, you, you know, you get that kind of, uh, of overlap there. I like that angle a lot. Yeah, no, that's, that's exactly right. Um. I'm excited. This is going to be fun. I got more. I was a little, you know, you overanalyzed the game over the course of two weeks. This was the extra bit of juice I needed. You know, that little bit of, uh, okay, now I have some some high odds props. This is exactly why people bet Parlex because it gets you excited. Brad, I have an illness. Okay. It's true. It's true. It's, you know, it, like you said, especially for this game. I mean, you're betting spread or total. Like, what, are you, what are you doing? Absolutely. I mean, I say that about every game. But that's, As you say, that's, 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 that's my hot take. My <laughs> yeah, hot yeah. <laughs> that is true. Um, make sure you go um, hop into the uh, the PFF Printing Press Discord. Um, that they are very good about as soon as Judas pieces drop on pff.com they are posted in there so you will never miss them uh they are big fans of judah fork gang in there and um of course we can talk about uh betting things live as they happen as well judah always a pleasure enjoy the game brother yeah absolutely it is the last locks of the week i guess we could do the the draft but um at least for real football uh for a little while so we brought in f1 noted f1 mclaren fan arjun menon <laughs> What are you? Are you truly uh, a McLaren fan? What's the story behind this hat? No, I just I just support your bets on whoever you bet on, George. Because okay. um, I wake up Sunday morning, Saturday morning, seeing your tweets about it, and I'm like, I'm I'm rooting for whatever bets George has going. So I don't I don't really follow F1 like that. 
<laughs> I did bet Lando Norris to like uh, finish P6 or better a lot this year. Uh, it did not cash. <laughs> so um, maybe we'll have to refine that. Uh, let's let's talk about uh, things that we are a little bit better at betting on. And that is uh, the Super Bowl. We've in our past uh, three episodes have talked about um, how to bet the Super Bowl in various ways. We went deep into the national anthem uh, on the last episodes. If you're looking for that, go check that out. Um, here we're going to just go through our favorite um, our favorite bets. They can include anything. Uh, we're probably not going to talk a lot about the spread and the total because, quite frankly, if you're looking to bet the spread and the total in the Super Bowl, you're just kind of you're missing out. Like the value is on the props. There are so many props that you don't normally see, um, and because there's so much time before the game, there's a real opportunity to kind of break these down. Um, so we mentioned some on the previous podcast. If you haven't listened to those, recommend that you go check them out. Some of those lines have already moved rather considerably, but um, this will kind of be a summary and anything else that we've, uh, that we've dug up. And um, as usual, pick our favorites uh, at the end. I'm sure there will be a few. Um, Arjun, why don't you lead us off with your first lock? Yeah. So um, this is one I talked about last week and I still really like it. It's Kenneth Gainwell, longest rush over eight and a half yards. He's gone over this in like six of his last seven games. He's been getting more touches. Now, part of that is because the Eagles have been playing with a pretty significant lead. And, you know, I, I am a little bit bullish on the Eagles in this game. So I do think they'll have control of the game, which should lead to more carries for him. Um, again, the Eagles have the highest rate of perfectly blocked runs of any team in the league Jalen Hurts obviously helps with that and I think because of his shoulder injury they could go with more of a run heavy approach than we've seen in in weeks past despite playing the Chiefs and I think Gainwell will be a beneficiary of you know kind of the read option zone read stuff that they call and and he should be able to get one rush for at least nine yards or more yep so uh... obviously you said yeah, we've obviously touched on a, a bunch of different angles, so I'm going to try to bring in a couple new ones. But I've been really into a lot of these head-to-head props. There are mm. some kind of game script elements to a lot of them. But um, another one I like, beyond the quarterback ones, which have moved since Sunday, um, Isaiah Pacheco plus 14.5 rushing yards against Miles Sanders. Now, look, of course, the game script is, is a huge part of this. But also, I mean, we're seeing in the recent weeks, like you mentioned Kenneth Gainwell getting 29 touches over the last two weeks. There's more of a committee in Philly and less of a committee in Kansas City right now mm-hmm. over the last couple of weeks. So, and also the funny thing is if you look at DraftKings, it's plus 14 and a half. And then Miles Sanders is 59 and a half over under and Pacheco's 48 and a half over under. So I'm not sure why they have an 11 yard spread in the actual props. And then it's 14 and a half, um, you know, on the head to head. But nevertheless, um, I like Isaiah Pacheco plus 14 and a half rushing yards against Miles Sanders. I like that a lot. I like many different ways to fade Miles Sanders in this game. Uh, I don't know how I turned into a fade Miles Sanders truther, but um, let's let me go. Let me I'll continue this uh, this thread here and and put my game well um, thoughts out there. I, I like over twelve and a half receiving yards and as uh, sorry uh, rushing yards and over nineteen and a half receiving yards. I think both of those make a ton of sense. Um, as I pointed out when Seth was on here. Uh, he's gone over and considerably over um, in, in his last three games and has done so against, you know, pretty similar uh, types of defenses. Um, you can check that out in, in PFF app, by the way, some new stuff that uh, that just dropped before the Super Bowl. Um, Timo Riske put together some scheme similarity stuff that you can actually see now in the app. So you can see, you know, 
types of defenses that they played, which ones are similar. But this also gets to the biggest mismatch in this game, which Seth talked about as well. And that's the Eagles run blocking versus the Kansas City D-line. The Eagles have the highest graded run blocking unit in the NFL. Chiefs are 18th, um, just 62.4 run defense grade. Um, and, you know, you just you can just see it uh, that the Eagles are going to come out and run the ball a ton. So um, all Gainwell. Someone, by the way, put uh, a pretty sizable bet on Gainwell MVP. I don't know if they remember the printing press, but uh, I have yet to see anyone publish my Minshew MVP bet. Just saying. Um, but uh, yeah, okay. Arjun, you're up next. Yeah, so um, another one I, I've liked a little bit is uh, Juju Smith-Schuster over three and a half receptions. Um, against zone coverage, mm-hmm. he he has a 2.12 yards per route run. You can find this on you know PFF uh, premium stats with a PFF subscription. He also has a 20.5 target share against zone coverage, which is third behind Kelsey and Tony. And, you know, you don't have McCall Hardman, so that obviously takes away a target from the Chiefs offense. And, you know, Juju is really that second or third guy in that offense behind Tony. I think I'm projecting him to be a little bit better than Tony just because if they're going to be, again, in my world playing from behind against the Eagles they're going to want to target push the ball uh, further down the field and this mm-hmm. is this idea is kind of uh, shown here with Juju's a dot against zone is 7.5 Tony's a dot is 3.5 against zone so if they're going to be playing from behind they need to throw the ball down the field Juju is that guy 33 first down catches of his um or 33 first time catches of his 52 total receptions have come against zone. So um, I, I do like Juju to go over here. And again, this is kind of basing in like what, how I think the game is going to flow with the Eagles kind of jumping out to an early lead. Yep. So this is going to be a very long odds selection for a, a quote unquote lock of the week. Um, but it's my favorite of all the touchdown bets. Uh, and that is Kadarius Tony first touchdown score in the game. Whoa. Uh, plus 18. Oh yeah. We're getting, we're, so I mean, first and foremost, if you're going to get a bet Tony on a touchdown because he probably, you know, is going to play a quarter and get hurt, you might as well go first touchdown. There's no reason to just go anytime touchdown. So that is part of it. But also, no, I mean, we talked about it. When he's on the field, he's getting targeted. And I think in a scripted play scenario, if they get into the red zone and are looking to pass still, you know, him doing something creative at the line, running jet motion, running, you know, orbit motion, doing some weird thing, um, even getting a pop pass or whatever you want to call it. Um, that that's like what I, you know you expect from them at least with Andy Reid in the beginning of the game get him involved get him going um, so I, I just like the value there it's one of the one of the, the longer odd touchdown first time touchdown uh, props out there I like that I will I have one uh, on my list that is long odds as well so let me throw it out here this is uh, this is for my my dear friend the the doctor okay Doctor Eric Eager this is the Eric Eager. Super Bowl Chiefs bet. Okay. This is the Kansas Simpy Chief Memorial bet. And this is Frank Clark to record the most sacks at seven to one in this game. Um, and here is the reasoning. The first is nothing will make this win for this for the Chiefs more bittersweet than if Frank Clark is one of the reasons that the that Chiefs fans believe they win this game. I am here for that narrative. Okay. The second is that. What does Jalen Hurts do? He holds onto the ball, right? He's mobile. He's going to be able to run around. I The interior offensive line of the um, of the Eagles is really, really good. So this is going to be as good of a time to stymie uh, Chris Jones. And then here's the, the flip side of it. Everyone thinks that the Eagles, and Brad, you talked about this on the last episode, that, that the Eagles are going to be the team that gets the most sacks. 
Sacks are a quarterback stat. Patrick Mahomes does not get sacked. He also knows that he cannot afford to get take a bunch of hits in this game. Um, so I, I like fading that narrative. I, I still think that that Hassan Reddick MVP play is a good one, but not necessarily because he can have three sacks, you know, because he can force that that big fumble or that kind of crucial piece. So um, Frank Clark with like two cleanup sacks, <laughs> 3.5 seconds, five seconds, seven seconds after the snap <laughs> uh, just makes too much sense. That persistence from playoff Frank. Um, so that is my, uh, that's my long shot bet. Yeah, no, I love that playoff. Playoff Frank is is truly a menace. Probably a top five edge rusher in the NFL um, in history. He's yeah. Reggie White in the playoffs. Okay. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I, I'm gonna. So I'm going away from player props. This is a kind of a head-to-head team prop I like. You can find it on some of the offshores. It's who is the first team to be penalized for pass interference, and I'm gonna go with the Kansas City Chiefs. So this is both defense and offensive pass interference. Did a little bit digging of digging. So the Chiefs have committed 19 instances of being penalized for offensive or defensive pass interference in the league. First, why about like four or five penalties, this including the playoffs? The Eagles have only committed OPI or DPI seven times. So we're talking about one per game to less than half a game. And so basically you're 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 um betting on who's going to commit a pass interference. And I really think the Chiefs would be the team to do it of the two. Again, like I talked about, the Eagles are playing a ton of zone and because they're going to be in zone, they're not going to really be in a position to commit OPI or DPI. Also think about how the Chiefs and Eagles operate. The Chiefs offense is more of a horizontal offense. Get, you know, get the receivers the ball in space. It's a lot of curls. It's a lot of crossers. The Eagles offense is more vertical. Um, I think you, we've talked about the A.J. Brown go routes. You, you're going to throw it up and he's either going to catch it or, you know, it's going to be tough for Joshua Williams or Jalen Watson to commit or to be, be in perfect coverage. You also have rookie corners out there for the Chiefs on both sides of the field, depending on if LeJarrius Sneed plays. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think you're basically betting on who's going to commit a, a DPI. And I think the Eagles are very, very well coached. That's kind of bear, bears out in the data. And one last point that I don't really put much stock into, but I've seen on Twitter, the Carl, Carl Cheffers against the Chiefs narrative, which apparently he's the ref that hates the Chiefs. So, you know, he, he would be probably more prone to call a DPI or OPI against the Chiefs. But um, I think a lot of the data kind of backs up that the Chiefs have done this more often throughout the season. And um, I think they would be the team to do it first in this game. Can't beat some good Carl Sheffers analysis. Uh, so getting even more wacky than than anything we've discussed before. Um, but I, I love this play as well. Uh, there is sport uh, on DraftKings. You can do cross sport specials. So you can bet on Super Bowl props versus NBA, NHL, and the one I like is, is against actually the Premiership, uh, and that is Kenneth Gainwell receptions minus 115 versus Man United total goals scored um, on February 12th against Leeds. So they just had a 2-2 draw yesterday. Leeds sacked their manager recently. I think the boys are fired up to, you know, bend down the hatches, keep it, Man United in check a little bit. Um, and, and I think, you know, you get three catches from Kenneth Gainwell, and you're, you're feeling good rolling into that, that, that Man United matchup. We, this has turned into a Kenneth Gainwell podcast. <laughs> uh, uh, we are going to be levered up on, on Kenneth Gainwell. By the way, I still love my Gainwell versus McKinnon head-to-head. I um, think that is a ridiculous value. Um, okay, my I, more, more running backs uh, coming your guys' way. So Jarek McKinnon under five and a half carries. 
Um, he's gone under in four of his last five. Pacheco is, aside from Travis Kelsey, the guy with the most juice on that team, played a career-high snaps, played a career-high receiving snaps as well, and career-high in targets, uh, six targets last week. So everything stands to reason that they're going to play Pacheco a bunch. I, I don't think anyone has watched a uh, McKinnon run and gone, wow, man, glad they gave that to McKinnon instead of Pacheco. Like that just, that, that doesn't happen. So in, in a game like this, where again, I think your point uh, was, was really good earlier, Brad, like the committee is on the Eagles. It is not with the chiefs. Pacheco is the guy there. Five and a half carries is a lot. Six carries for Jarek McKinnon in this game playing from behind. What, what, if Andy Reed has six run plays for Jarek McKinnon, people are going to be furious. And one of the people who's going to be furious is Patrick Mahomes. So uh, I, I just do not, uh, I do not see that, uh, that one happening under five and a half carries for Jarek McKinnon. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good one. Um, Again, I, I, I kind of, it plays into what I think is going to happen also with just Eagles kind of getting out to a lead and, and chiefs playing from behind. Um, I don't really have any other big ones. I, I sent one in our Slack chat. Uh, there's some funny ones out there. Like, well, what's going to happen yes. to the price of Bitcoin, Ethereum, Ripple, if that goes up or down during the game. I mean, I'm like curious, like, since you guys have been doing this a lot longer than I have, like, how do you like some of these offshores even like price some of these props, is it just by vibes? Or like, do you think they actually like have like a model or something that is pricing these out? This is major vibes. I mean, I'm guessing the thought is last year there were like three commercials for crypto. This year there are mm -hmm. zero <laughs> um, because any budget that can afford a $7 million for 30 second commercial uh, is now tied up in SBF's defense fund. So uh, yeah, I think it's vibes and I do love these. I'm glad you brought it up. So knowing that, knowing that there probably won't be any commercials because I, I want to say, um, right. There was a Coinbase commercial, yep. um, that was pretty viral. Um, there was like, what, like a probably three FTX commercials with like Tom Brady and Steph yep. Curry and Shaq and all those well-known financial experts. Um, so I wonder like, what's the right play here? Is it to, to fade or is it going to yeah here's an take. interesting thought though now we're getting really in the weeds so there you the thing you posted arjun has just bitcoin ethereum ripple ripple i don't know if it still is because i know it's under like fcc investigation but in other countries there were i want to say south korea at a certain point was tying ripple into their like banking system uh i could be making that up i think that's the country it, it's a country in the asias um i'm trying to think if you were maybe betting in macau or if they're fielding you know a lot of Super Bowl crazy bets in books. Maybe Ripple does well. Now I'm getting really in the weeds, but that, that's the only initial thought I have as, as I look at this. Yeah, that's enough Ripple content for, <laughs> for this podcast. I have a few more here. Um, Brad, what about you? Do you have any more? Um, I'm tapped out. Okay. Wow. Look, someone's got to carry the uh, carry the weight here. I have two more. Um, our good friend, member of the printing press, honorary member of the printing press, Dallas Goddard. Okay. Um, total right now at 45 and a half, a couple of, couple of reasons why I like this, um, in the last game against the Niners only had 23 yards, but if you remember that game, he was targeted pretty frequently, especially, you know, in the kind of early part of the game, he was a big part of that, um, that game plan, despite the fact that the Niners are amazing against tight ends and he had no yak. Every time he caught the ball, it was, he was down immediately. Um, but 
he was clearly a part of the game plan against a really good defense at stopping tight ends. The Chiefs are very much middle of the pack here, uh, 16th in PFF grade covering tight ends. Dallas Goddard, fourth highest graded tight end in a game where everyone's going to be talking about Travis Kelsey. Uh, Dallas Goddard's been a really significant part of this uh, team's game plan, the Eagles, for uh, really the last three games in particular. So I like that. I also like some alts. Um, so if you take like Goddard over 60 um, uh, or 70, you know, you can get like, you know, plus 150, plus 200. Um, the Chiefs also miserable. I think you mentioned this, uh, Arjun, in the last podcast, miserable covering the middle of the field, 31st in in uh, uh, EPA, I want to say allowed over the uh, middle of the football field where you'd expect Dallas Goddard to, to roam. And the other thing that I like about this is you look at the strength of the Chiefs. They do have some good corners. Snead is going to play in this game. McDuffie's been good. Watson hasn't been great uh, from PFF grade perspective, but he's like, you know, an athletic kid who, you know, maybe he, uh, you know, mans up in this game and, and shows some, uh, some, some of his talent. Um, so I, I really like Goddard uh, in this game. And then uh, I'll go to Kelsey because I found this one that I liked. I'm curious your guys take on this. It's Kelsey 25 plus yards in each half. Uh, it's minus 145. Um, so, uh, I looked this up. Um, he's had like three first halves all season where he has not had 25 yards. He's gone sailing over in just about every first half. The second halves have been a little more kind of curious, but if you start peeling it back and looking at games where they kind of need him to be a part of the game, uh, that becomes a much more clear, um, uh, situation where they are going to give him the ball. I can't imagine an Eagles team playing zone in this game as a favorite and Travis Kelsey not getting like 15, 20 targets in this game. So um, maybe you don't think he goes over, you know, 80 yards total, um, but 25 in each half, uh, I really like. So those are the two uh, additional ones that I have to to your guys. I like on one more. I, I like both of those. The Kelsey one I definitely like because I think you're going to get the scripted, and then if they're down, it's obviously going to hit in the second half. So um, mm-hmm. I like that one a lot. I do have one more. It's tying into Seth's from earlier with, first of all, the under 238.5 is very intriguing for Jalen Hurts. Um, and then also, like I mentioned, I mean, Hurts, I think there is the, uh, the injury is more serious than maybe people realize. Obviously, that's why we had the, the doctor on. Um, so under 4.5 receptions. This season, it's gone 13 times. He's gone under 4.5 out of 19 games. Um, actually hit it once on the over with Gardner Minshew against the Dallas Cowboys as well. Mm-hmm. Also, if you, you look at him against a team that play heavy man coverage, he is a man beater that kind of brought him in because he, he doesn't get bumped off routes. He's a physical player, but I think they're just going to account for him a ton and he's not going to get hit on those outside the number down the field balls. Um, I, I do like that play as well. Yeah, I, I think that's a smart move. Um, I, Brad, I, I really like your uh, Mahomes um was it completions or attempts? Uh, one of the two. Completions, um, 25 and a half. Yep. Yeah, I like that one. I think we should add that one in here. Um, I don't know that we need to even decide on these. I feel like we just, you know, <laughs> it's awesome. Super Bowl. Everyone's going to bet everything. So it's, uh, what do we have? To 38 lose locks of the week. <laughs> 38. Well, I mean, that's, that's the perfect ending to the season because anyone, by the way, that's new to um, the printing press or the, the forecast, um, it, this is the, Calling it the locks of the week was a satire um, on, you know, kind of common betting terminology out there where people, like, it's our lock, you know, our stone cold lock. SVP has a funny one where he does his like, stone cold lock of the week of the century or something like that. Um, so it, it's only fitting 
to have like 50 locks to close out the uh, to close out the year. Um, all right, I think that's I think that's good. By the way, if you have not already joined the um, the PFF Printing Press Discord, a good time to do so. There will be a lot of live betting opportunities here. Um, obviously, we have uh, Judah Fort paying on to talk about some of those strategies, so you'll want to be in there. Uh, and then Arjun, you always drop some anytime touchdown and first touchdown knowledge in the Discord um, with some data and analysis there. So if you want that, go check out the Discord. Their link to join is in the description and you can find it uh, on our Twitter accounts as well. Arjun, uh, best of luck. Um, are you, like, what does a college kid do for the Super Bowl? Are you guys going to a bar? Or are you what, What's the game plan? Yeah, uh, I mean, me and uh, Tage are, are going to go to some, one of our friends' house who's who's throwing, so it should be, should be a lot of fun. Um, last year we watched it together, obviously, because – Stafford and all that but yeah this year mm. will be more relaxed just rooting for the bets and you know don't really have a, a side on the game okay Brad what's your game plan yeah going to a buddy's place with about a dozen of us so uh should be a good time okay I have no idea what I'm doing yet so I'll probably just end up at home um but uh I'll have the whole printing press with me so it'll be it'll be all good fellas it's been a hell of a season good luck and members of the printing press and everybody out there we love you peace